1: If you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to
0: help. One heart at a time
1: Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio.
0: Welcome to The Inner Life here on this Tuesday, July 6th. I'm Josh Raymond, so glad to have you along here today. And as you were growing up, When you were young, did you follow the rules? Were you a rule follower? If your parents told you to do something, were you likely to obey them immediately? Or would you ignore what your parents said? Or maybe you started to do what they asked, but then as you kind of got into something else, you got distracted, you forgot about it. You didn't get back to doing what they asked you to do. Were there rules in your house where you followed some of them but maybe disregarded others. Now, in our house, one of the simple basic rules that we have taught our kids, of course, there's, you know, several rules that every house has, but one that we've taught our kids is that when an adult, a grown-up, when they come to the front door, when they knock or ring the doorbell, our kids, they should wait for an adult, their mother or their father, to answer the door. Come get us. We've explained the reasons that this is for the safety of everyone in the house. And if there's someone who's knocking on our door, odds are that grown-up outside, they're wanting to see me or my wife, Baylen. Uh They probably didn't come to visit one of our children. For the most part, our kids have been pretty good about following this rule. If someone is at our door and Belen or I are not close in the vicinity of the door, well, our kids will come and find us to answer the door. Occasionally, they'll get excited in the moment for whatever reason. Something else is going on and they'll accidentally forget this rule. But that really is the exception rather than the norm. With the exception for that, it's it's just our one daughter, Anya. She's our second daughter. And Anya, she'll turn 20 in just a couple of months. But when she was maybe nine or 10 years old, she kept answering the door whenever someone would come to our house without coming to tell me or her mother. Many times it was someone our family knew. No, no real problem there. But there were a couple of times where it was a stranger. And Anya, she wasn't disobeying out of defiance or she wasn't trying to be rebellious For whatever reason, she just wouldn't remember this rule when she heard the doorbell ring. And this kept happening again and again for the span of a couple of years here, even though we would talk with her every time it happened about how this is an important rule in our home, kind of reemphasize those reasons, and after many times of going through this repeated pattern— She uh, answering the door without coming and finding us, us talking with her about it. Well, Baylen and I, we knew that we had to figure out a way to drive home the point that she couldn't keep on forgetting. So the last time that Anya opened the door for someone without coming to get me or coming to get her mother, it was less than two weeks before Halloween. And when we again said to her, Anya, why didn't you come and get one of us? She responded with a very typical, I don't know, I just forgot. So I decided that we had this great opportunity that was coming up where we'd have numerous strangers that were coming to our door. And for Halloween in our house, Baylen she typically takes the kids out trick-or-treating, and they will make three or four trips out around to different parts of our neighborhood and then come back to our house between each one of those trips, and they'll drop off their haul of candy uh, each time that they stop at the house. I'm usually the one at the house handing out candy to the trick-or-treaters along with getting dinner ready for Baylen and the kids so that when they get back home after the last outing, their dinner is not only Snickers and Three Musketeers and Hershey's bars, but they actually have something substantial to eat. And so I told Anya, I said, hey, you're going to stay home with me during that first trip that your mother takes out with the rest of the kids. And I told Anya that she could go out for the rest of those trips, but that very first one on that night of Halloween – She'd stay at home with me. And every time that someone knocked on our door, she would be the one handing out the candy. But before that she, before she could hand out any candy, after she heard the knock or the doorbell, she'd have to stop and she'd have to look at me and ask, may I open the door? And so that's what happened Halloween night. For that first, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes or so, as Belen was out with the rest of the kids, Anya was dressed up in her costume But she stayed there with me in our living room, and in those 30 to 45 minutes, she probably asked me, I'm guessing, maybe 15, 16, 17 times if she could answer the door. Was she happy about going through this routine? (laughs) About this exercise to drive home the need to ask before opening the door of our home to someone standing out on our porch? Of course not. But it worked. Anya never again forgot to find me or her mother to ask us before opening the door to our home to someone who knocked. Her accidental disobedience was corrected. Uh, Was she forever the perfect obedient daughter? No, not necessarily. But, you know, she, along with the rest of our kids, they really do try and obey. Sometimes, especially when they're younger, they might be more interested in the obedience of one of their siblings that they're following the rules, that their brother or their sister is doing what they're supposed to do. This is far more important at that certain age than keeping track of what they themselves are doing or supposed to be doing at that moment. Have you found yourself in that same sort of situation where you look at others, you see them maybe not doing what they're supposed to be doing, but then when it comes to you, well, you cut yourself a little slack. You know, you didn't obey that one rule, but you're a good person. And isn't it better to be a nice person than to worry about being such a stickler for all those different rules or listening to everything someone in authority over you tells you to do? Isn't it better to be an independent thinker? Well, today on The Inner Life, we're going to talk about obedience, being obedient to the rules that God has given us for living in unity with him, as well as being obedient to those individuals that God has placed in roles of authority over us. And joining us today, helping us look at obedience, how we can live this out in our lives, is Father Brian Geary. He's a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois. He's the pastor of St. James Parish in Belvedere, Illinois. And he's our spiritual director here for the hour. Father Gary, I'm so glad to have you here on The Inner Life with us today. So was there a certain time in your life where you remember you had a hard time trying to listen and continually obey what your parents told you to do? Anything that they had to come back to you and say again and again and again, no, you need to do it this way?
2: I I think, Josh, um, unfortunately for me, that lesson was learned in my early 20s. Oh, really? <laughs> Not when I was three or four. I can't remember that, those days. But one of the uh, sins, you know, we, we call our sins at the beginning of Mass. We called them our sins. Mm-hmm. One of the sins I think of, which was probably one of the most grievous I committed, was my disobedience to my father. And I returned home from college, and he said, You have to pay rent. And I disobeyed him. You know, I, I uh, just with my tongue, I, I just defied his rule that... Um, I'd have to pay rent. He was trying to make me responsible, sure. trying to, to push me out of the nest, you know trying to motivate me to get my own place and, and to become a man. But um, my disobedience to him uh, was very grievous, and later on, by God's grace, I returned um, with all the money that he had asked me, that I refused to pay. And uh, the first time I saw my father cry, Mm-hmm. because he saw his son grow up, Oh wow. that I really learned the lesson. And um, as a dad, he said, son, keep the money. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the point was made. And I thought, wow, how generous. I, I owed my father obedience, and he had every right to ask it of me. And so it's something I still recall to this day, um, that he loved me enough to ask me to submit to his authority, and um, for very good reason as a father. And when I realized... The motive of love, I I came to my senses, like the uh, younger son in the parable of the prodigal son. I
0: I bet that just opened up a new dimension of your relationship with your father after that point, too, didn't it?
2: It it did. Um, I think many times we take authority for granted, or perhaps we live under its mantle and we move and live in it without appreciating the consequence of the authority person or the authority figure— but once it hits home to you, as it did to me, I then had a much greater appreciation for all the, the governance that he exercised um, for all those years for all of his children.
0: Well, so let's talk about some of the different areas where we are required to obey. You're a Roman Catholic priest, uh, priest and priests, they take certain vows, um, obedience and chastity, or celibacy, and some in different religious communities take a vow of poverty. But obedience, one of those main three that you'll hear when it comes to different priests, Uh, why is obedience so important in the life of a priest? You talked about uh, authority figures, you know, those people that are placed in authority over us. Why is that so important in the life of a
2: priest? Uh, It's essential in the life of a priest because authority comes from God, and authority is is an act of the will by which we obey and submit our will to the authority of God or or to a human being who has God's authority. And uh, within the Church, the the hierarchical structure uh, requires obedience for uh, the sake of the exercise of the priesthood, uh, because we have uh, the authority given to us by God through our bishop And the exercise of it is essential for the right ordering of the Church and the right ordering of the priest's soul so that he knows from whom he has received authority, ultimately from God, and how he should exercise that properly with uh, mercy, with justice, um, and really the right combination of both.
0: Well, and as you talk about that hierarchy, I mean, every one of us has somebody— that is in authority over us. As I shared in the story, you know, those of us with kids, we expect our children to obey us. But how about when there's somewhat equal footing in a relationship like a marriage? How do you think that obedience plays a part in a relationship between a husband and a wife? You know, there's times where a wife might need to obey her husband, but there are times where a husband really should listen and obey his wife, too.
2: Yes, absolutely. That that authority has been established by virtue of the sacrament of marriage, as they are one flesh. In the sacrament that Christ has instituted, we 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 see at the same time the equality of the sexes, but the difference in roles, um, the authority that of headship that the husband has, and the authority over the body of the husband that the wife has. So they have this mutual authority and the mutual power to give blessing, to also command their children in the name of their marriage, which then implies the authority of the other spouse. Uh, So there's so many examples of the equality of authority given to the spouses. Um, As St. Paul said, though, the headship belongs to the man, um, that he might love his wife, and as he loves his own body. Uh, So there. And then the woman to obey the husband, to be under his mission, to be one with him in heart and mind. Right. You know? Well, and,
0: and the, the main part of that, man, and the role, the role of maybe the leadership, the headship of the family, is supposed to be an imitation of Christ. Not just that he wields power, but that he uses his power to offer himself in a sacrificial manner for his wife, for his family.
2: Yeah, beautifully said, Josh. I can't add to that at all. That's perfect.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad I got something right today, Father. <laughs> um, <laughs> our spiritual director, Father Brian Geary. we're talking about obedience, and uh, continuing on, looking at maybe at some of the different uh, ways that we might be called to obedience, depending on our state in life. What, am I, what if I'm a single adult? I'm not a priest who's taken a vow of obedience. I'm not married. I am single, I have no spouse, I have no kids, I don't have much in the way of day-to-day authority that I have to deal with except for maybe my boss at work. Why would I be worried about living out obedience? Why would obedience be important to me in, in my actions, in my behavior at this stage in my life?
2: Well, in the single life, there you you are still a witness to Jesus and to uh, his authority, and, and with respect to your relationships, uh, I think to your parents, uh, the single person who is not caring for a spouse and children um, has should live out the Fourth Commandment, I think, even more diligently mm. because they probably have more time. Sure. Uh, so that what a beautiful thing is to care for an elderly parent or parents or to have time to visit them or perhaps to assist them. Uh, they can also uh, assist others. Who maybe have children with respect to babysitting or financially helping them, I think they're to be under the same mission uh that comes from from Christ uh as far as serving others uh, is a great sign of of a submission to uh, to the authority that that comes from their being a member of a family also within their as you said uh there are authority figures that could be the condo association you live in. It could be, uh, uh, as you said, your boss, uh, perhaps just to uh, secular authority. Um, You become a witness to the authority that God has set up in the culture and within also the family, I think. And a single person is able to affect and witness to that uh, probably more explicitly than others.
0: Now, as we're talking about about obedience here, you know, one of the things that I always like to do is make sure that we're talking in terms that we all understand, that there's not this just you know assumption that we all know what we're talking about. Is there anything when we talk about obedience, most of the time it's, well, somebody tells you to do something, you should do it. And that's kind of what comes to mind. Is there, you know, deeper things, deeper aspects of obedience that we should have in mind as we're having this conversation today?
2: I think of the words of Christ that, um, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Right. Um, Or, you are my friends if you do what I command you. So our Lord tied obedience to love, and he said, I will be your friend, and— by virtue of his election or our election by him uh, as a friend, now we've got this motive not just to submit to an authority, to this divine being who's ready to strike us down for any uh, lack of obedience or uh, adherence to his will, but rather a friend. And so when our Lord puts friendship uh, as the, the model for relationship with him, now we've got a motive that's more intimate then would be just, you know, master-slave, um, a befriending of, of us by Christ now calls us to be like him, which is what friendship is, to be like your friend, to respond in love uh, to his command, uh, gratefully and willingly, not just as a servant.
0: Well, and, you know, it, it kind of takes me back to the story you shared, Father, of your, of your father as he was asking you to pay rent when you came home from college. And I would imagine that when you didn't follow his rules, there wasn't so much fear of retribution or consequences that you were worried about, but I'm sure that more what might have impacted you, because I've heard this from so many other people, as they talk about, oh, yeah, I didn't I didn't do this thing that my parents asked of me. And the thing that bothered me the most was their disappointment. Yeah. And disappointing Christ, ruining, severing that friendship, which then, you know, uh, we can go ahead and we have the ability to go through the, the sacrament of confession and—or reconciliation. We reconcile that friendship. We get things on the right track again. But— Having that attitude of, I'm more worried about disappointing my friend than I am worried about the consequences, that really should speak to where we are with our love of Christ. And the obedience, I would think at that point, just becomes easy.
2: Yeah, especially because it's it's so familial and personal, whether you offended your father or you offended a friend, there, the intimacy between the two people just makes the hurt much more painful but also the love and reconciliation that much more satisfying because it's not is your boss or you know or it's um, not some other secular authority but this is someone with whom you have a deeply personal relationship and you have a history and you've got um, you've shared your heart and I've heard it said by someone that when you give your heart to someone you never you never can get it back <laughs> In other words, here, or someone else said, you give so much more to your children than you'll ever get back. In other words, you give love, and when that's not returned, that that the the hurt is very deep. Now, with regard to our Lord, who is God made man, who has said, "I've called you friends," which is so remarkable because He's God and we're human beings, and yet He has called us. Almost to a certain equality in relationship, because friends have that certain equality with them, with each other. So, so that the ante has been upped in a big way with respect to our relationship with God, because the friendship he, we have with Him is is just so accessible um, and can be. We can receive mercy, but also we're going to feel deeply when we offend Him. At least we should.
0: Right, absolutely. Father Brian Geary is our spiritual director today. He is a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, and we're talking about obedience. When have you had to exercise obedience, even if you didn't want to, or maybe especially if you didn't want to? Is there an area where you struggle to be obedient to God's leading in your life, or maybe with some of the people in authority over you, something where you really wrestle with that? Uh, Maybe you've made it through that. What has helped you to come to a place where you were finally willing to say, "I will be obedient. I will follow the direction of this person that God has placed in my life." Our studio line is eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com. We're going to take a look coming up at what the the scriptures say about being obedient. That's next here on the Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com/forester.
1: Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life spiritual directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio.
0: Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond along with our spiritual director, Father Brian Geary. Today, we're talking about obedience. Does that scare you? (laughs) (laughs) The thought of having to obey somebody, not being necessarily free to do exactly what you want to do anytime you want to do it, well, uh, that's okay. We all have to submit to being obedient at different points. But when have you had to exercise obedience even if you didn't want to? Were you maybe rebellious at a time in your life? What changed? What helped you to come to a place where you were finally willing to submit to that authority over you and be obedient? what helped you our studio line 888-914-9149 888 our inner uh, our email address inner life at relevantradio.com and father uh, we've got a number of different places in scripture where we can look and see the importance of obedience um, you mentioned two of my favorite verses i always it's always easy for me to remember them because they kind of just flip-flop the numbers john chapter 14 the the gospel of john Chapter 14 and verse 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments where Jesus is speaking. And then in the very next chapter, chapter 15, verse 14, uh, you are my friends if you do what I command you. But there's so many other places in Scripture where we hear... Whether through Christ, whether through one of the apostles that are writing one of the letters in the New Testament, uh, speaking through maybe one of the prophets in the Old Testament, is there one place that really stands out to you as maybe the most poignant uh, point where we see obedience addressed in the Scriptures?
2: I think uh, I, reflexively to the agony in the garden when our Lord was in his um, and to go in his passion, and he went to the agony in the in the garden, the the garden uh, of olives, and prayed to his father, Father, if you be possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but Thy will be done. Our Lord. Uh, so Jesus was obedient even unto death, even to death of the cross, and even in the letter to the Hebrews it said, Our Lord, for the joy that lay before Him, uh, embraced the cross and despising its shame, uh, embraced it for us all. So the. The crosses that were sent are are very difficult, they're painful, they're heavy, and uh, yet when we submit to our Lord's yoke, um, to His will, then we see His glory manifest in, uh, through our, in and through our obedience. I also think of Our Lady at the Annunciation, when the angel appeared and said, you will be you know, the mother of the Son of God, and she had already consecrated her virginity, and she said, yes, let it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her, and that fiat that that said, let, not my will, but let this be done to me, was really the, the winning of our salvation through Mary's cooperation with God's will in a mysterious way. She submitted her will to, to the Lord's way, and um, then God was made flesh. Um, we think the opposite with Lucifer, saying, I will not serve, the non serviam. Sure. when the angels were presented with God's plan. When we think, uh, when we're presented with a situation and our will is just ag- agitated because we think, I can do this better, I, I have a better way, plan than this. Uh, it's hard to say, let it be done to me according to your word. But we think of Our Lady submitting and our Lord, um, who said, embraced the Father's will, um, most generously, saying, thy will be done. That's, a, that's something we can pray to ask for grace in the moment when things seem difficult for us to, to decide.
0: You know, you bring up a good point. In the moment, when things are difficult, when we're warring against our will, our free will, our independence, what do you think is a good way that we can beforehand prepare ourselves so that we can respond not my will, but God, your will be done. Or be it done unto me, as you have said. How, how, can, we, how can we prepare ourselves to have that response?
2: Uh, I don't know an good answer to that, Josh, because I fail a lot. And I, I, think <laughs> I. it seems as if I'm in the same situations each day, and I, I mess up again. And I was like, Lord, well, wait, I, I, I know at this time I'm going to run into this situation, and yet how often I fail. Or just so uh, I just say a prayer sometimes when I'm more attuned to the Holy Spirit you know Lord help me you know give me grace uh, your will be done you know, and just before I enter into that situation in which I normally fail uh, for for many different reasons or for many different ways so I I think many of our days are predictable I think through our routine and I to get ahead of it, as you're saying, Josh, is to say, Lord, give me the grace today not to do my will in a small way and to love this person or be patient with this person. And and what happens is you see God changes your heart and their heart. And the situation which would cause you, cause you aggravation normally can be a source of grace and growth and holiness because we're in an imitation of our Lord and our Lady.
0: Well, and you also mention that... We, every day, say to God that we're praying, we're having that conversation, and that right there, I think, is also key. We can't just go and try and do this on our own, because there will be continued failure at that point. We need to rely on the grace of God, the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And even that right there, just praying that come Holy Spirit prayer that yeah. might be a good way to just every time that you face your—you find yourself faced in a situation where you, you know you need to listen to the person who is telling you what to do, mm-hmm. but you're really struggling with that, just to be able to say those words, come Holy Spirit. I mean, you can pray the full prayer later, but in the moment, come Holy <laughs> Spirit, you know, <laughs> just just help me right now.
2: Yeah, that's sometimes all you can get out before— the moment of truth, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, yes, the, to obey in little ways. Uh, another scripture passage that comes to mind is uh, the Lord rewarding those uh, to whom He tests. That is with great responsibilities. You've been faithful in small matters oh, sure. now. Receive, you know, um, greater ones. So those little victories, those little battles that we can win each day, just in the moment. Um, of, of submitting our will to being obedient to God or to another person is, is really where the, the battle is won, where, the, where grace is won, and where we grow in holiness.
0: You know, another thing you mentioned there as we were talking, you, you said, you know, I might have a better way of doing something. And when we actually think about that, when we say, I do, I'm being told to do something this way, but it, it would be better if I did it this other way. Or even if we come back and we say, well, yeah, they're asking me to do that, but that's not in my job description. You know, even if these are true, why should we still be obedient? You know, there's that phrase that comes to mind, it's better to ask for forgiveness than for permission. <laughs> what should our approach be in those situations where we might look and say, I, I really do have the better way, but even if I've brought that up, I'm being told, no, it needs to be done this other way. Um, Is there any latitude there or should it just be, okay, I've raised my concerns or I've raised my suggestion and I still need to just submit and do exactly what's being asked of me?
2: I think a safe way, Josh, probably would be to to do what is asked of you. And then if you could talk to the lawgiver or the person with care of the community or perhaps the one who's giving you the orders and suggest to that person perhaps a better way. I think that would be much better, and you wouldn't lose the grace of the moment. I think that, again, one of the things we we, um, we experience is what Lucifer said, is I will not serve in that moment. When we decline to serve someone, even though, as you say, it's not in our job description, or you would rather do it some other way, it shows great humility, which is a condition for obedience, um, Saint Paul said we should consider others as better than oneself, and by being a servant and being someone who seeks to serve rather than to be served, as Jesus said, to another great instance of uh, humility and obedience. Then we we can respond to God's will in the moment. It doesn't mean we we turn off our intelligence and we somehow be someone's doormat. But if we can serve them, perhaps we may win them over and um, speak to them privately about perhaps maybe a way to do it better.
0: Well, and you you say, you know, not being a doormat. Our spiritual director is Father Brian Geary. He is a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, and today we're talking about uh, obedience. And our studio line is 888-914-9149. If uh, you've had that period in your life where you've had to exercise obedience, maybe if you didn't want to, it was difficult for you, how did you end up uh, being able to work through that? How did God help you to get to a place where you could say, no, I, I will follow, I will... Follow the leading of whoever is asking me to do this. I will uh, be obedient. Our studio line, again, 888-914-9149. But you talked about, you know, that we shouldn't be a doormat, Father. Sometimes we'll talk about how we also don't want to blindly obey. We want to use our intellect, as you said, when we're following orders or following rules. But there are plenty of times where... God will also ask us to trust him, even though we don't see the bigger picture yet. You know, we don't know exactly. We see that in the life of Abraham, where God calls and just says, Go. And Abraham gets up and goes. Do you have any advice on how we should know when to trust God's leading, God's calling, versus sometimes where we really should exercise our intellect? We shouldn't just have that blind, thoughtless obedience that might not be the best choice?
2: Well, it, I suppose it depends on what's being asked of you, and um, I think that— it, I, I know, that's back. kind
0: of a very general yeah. question I just asked yeah, there. that's you okay. Know.
2: I fall back on St. Thomas Aquinas' definition of a law as an ordinance of reason for the common good made by one who has authority, and that's promulgated— uh, I think that, you know, that if it doesn't violate those things, then you should do it. But if you have something that's unreasonable, or perhaps it's not for the common good, or it's from someone who is, does not have authority to give that order, then it's then it's something that you should, you know, I, I think have a conversation about with the person who's asking you to do something. Um, th- Thomas Aquinas' clarity is essential here, and to go through those things um, with people. I do that in the confessional, um, when people ask me questions about obedience. So I'll go through, well, is this, is it reasonable? Um, is it for the common good? And it's been given by the person over whom, um, or to you, uh, who has authority over you. So we go through that together conversationally, and it becomes a time to really to, to exercise the virtue of prudence and to examine intellectually what's being asked of me. But um, I think just we should have a reflexive uh, attitude of obedience, I think. Um, When we get into questioning whether we can do it a better way or whether I should listen to this person, I think sometimes we may become maybe morally relativistic, and we may even become sociopathic, (laughs) because a sociopath has no regard for other people. It becomes a law unto himself and thinks that the rules don't apply, I know better. And so we want to avoid that kind of mentality or disposition because uh, it can lead to um, becoming a law unto ourselves and beginning to just make ourselves the guide instead of being under someone else.
0: Right, yeah. If we can rationalize our behavior in one area, we can probably rationalize it even in other areas for ourselves then, if, if we can get away with it in one place, we'll, we'll eventually find ourselves getting away with it in other places. Our spiritual director, Father Brian Geary, a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, pastor of St. James Parish in Belvedere, Illinois, and we're talking about obedience. How have you had to exercise obedience in your life, whether that's obeying God directly, maybe obeying someone that God has placed in authority over you? Was there a time where it was difficult for you to be obedient? How did you work through that? How did God work in your life to help you through that? How did you finally get to a point where you were willing to submit to that authority and be obedient. Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And uh, I'm going to pepper <laughs> Father Geary with a couple more questions about uh, laws that are they reasonable, are they for the common good, and how we might try and justify our way out of those coming up next year on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. back i'm josh raymond along with our spiritual director father brian geary a priest in the diocese of rockford illinois as today on the inner life we're talking about obedience is that a tough one for you why is it so tough? Is there an area where you struggle to be obedient to God's leading in your life? Well, that's why our spiritual director is here to offer you some guidance, some help on your spiritual journey. Our studio line, 888 914 914 9149 And Father, right before the break, you mentioned St. Thomas Aquinas looking at some of the different rules or laws that we might have in our society and how we... Uh, If we can look at them and say, well, they're reasonable and for the common good, then we need to exercise prudence. We need to be able to follow those rules. But let's talk a little about some collective disobedience, especially that we might have seen just a couple of days ago. Now, I live in an area where it's illegal to buy or sell fireworks, and it's also supposed to be illegal to light or set off any fireworks in uh, my community. But two nights ago on the 4th of July, it looked like about every sixth or seventh house in our neighborhood had people setting off some sort of pyrotechnic display. And this is one of those situations where most adults, we probably know the reason for the rules, you know, that the banning fireworks will cut down on injuries, it'll prevent fires, it's altogether safer for everyone, um, less emergency calls out to, you know, police and fire departments, all of that. But adults will ignore this and do whatever they want with, most of the time, little or no consequence for their actions, at least in most cases. And another one that comes to mind is speed limits because on certain roads in certain cities, you might have everyone – who is breaking speed laws. And on some of those streets, in fact, if you slow down, if you go the speed limit or under the speed limit, you might find yourself becoming a hazard to all the other cars on the road. So you find yourself going with the flow of traffic rather than following speed laws. But this isn't something where... At least for me, I don't worry about the disobedience. I worry more about the safety aspect of what I'm, I'm doing here. So in disobeying that, you talked about, you know, is the law there reasonable? Is it for the common good? I'm kind of looking at the common good in the moment. I should go with the flow of traffic to make sure that we're safe. So how do we reconcile these sorts of things Or is there anything to reconcile here? You know, those rules are there in place for a reason, and someone that got allowed to be in a place of authority has established those laws. So am I obliged to follow them?
2: Yeah, I think you laid it out very well, Um, especially with regard to fireworks. You know, you can... Is there something inherently wrong with lighting off firecrackers or um, shooting up bottle rockets? No, but when it becomes... um, a danger to people, um, then there's a the problem. I, I was in a, my last parish and everyone was shooting off fireworks and the poor old lady was by herself and these bottle rockets were landing in her yard and scaring her. So I almost got in a fight with this guy across the street from the factory because I said, knock it off. He goes, well, everyone else is doing it. I said, well, this poor lady you know, here, you're scaring her and you may, you may cause her harm. You know, So I think the... We have to use our, our intellect and our reason. And sometimes, when we see laws not being enforced, we think, "Oh, I can do this." When really they are reasonable for the sake of uh, safety, yours and other people's safety. I, I I still think it with regard to speed limits. Some people are very scrupulous about it. Um, I just was on the road in the Fourth of July weekend, and I've got drivers who are not regular drivers. It was a total chaos situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> People are going to the speed limit, some are going 30 over. It was very dangerous. So um, when you've got – the the rule of driving is don't get in an accident, right? Get to your destination safely. And uh, the speed limits are there to regulate people reasonably. And um, when you're dealing with situations or times or places where people are not used to uh, that that kind of activity – whether once a year, light enough fireworks, you've got people who don't know what they're doing. Right, people may be drinking, having alcohol or something. And uh, it, yes, there's reasons that those things are on the books. And also, when people do follow the speed limits, or at least closer to the speed limit, there are much fewer accidents too. So it's oh statistically
0: reasonable. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lower the speed. Well, and that was part of uh, you know there was there was the fuel shortage back in the seventies. But they also found once they dropped the speed limits for. Uh, reducing the fuel consumption, all of a sudden they saw statistically, wow, we have a lot less deaths out on highways and freeways. And so, yeah, of course, yeah, there, there's there's evidence, there's science behind it. Um, but yeah, that doesn't mean everybody's going to listen and follow that out on the road. Let's talk about if a person in authority over me is asking me for obedience in an area where they're asking something that is unjust or unethical or immoral, what should I do in that situation? One, one that comes to mind, very famous one, St. Thomas More. You know, there's that great movie, A Man for All Seasons, where King Henry VIII is asking Thomas More, to go along and endorse him as the head of the church so that he can have his marriage—he can have his divorce go through. And St. Thomas More, he ends up paying with his life. He has what we might call civil disobedience at that point. But is there a way that we can look at something and decide if this is the right point for me to make that stand versus— Okay, somebody is in authority over me, and they're asking me to do something. Where, where do I draw that line on some of these, especially where it might be maybe a gray area, not something so clear-cut?
2: Well, again, the obedience is, is submission to the authority of God. And if God's authority is ignored, if his law is violated, if his word is disregarded or contradicted, then not only is it not a law— at all, if it doesn't correspond with God's law, it, it must be either, uh, well, not just ignored, but resisted, as St. Thomas More showed us. So it depends on what's being asked of you. I think that was a big point within the movie, um, A Man for All Seasons. What was he being asked to do? And he was being asked to deny God's authority in the Church, and that was worth giving his life for. Um, not everything is worth giving your life for, for with respect to something that you're being asked to obey. But um, you have to see, does this to violate God's law, God's divine law, which, which implies that we know the scriptures, we know the teaching of the Church, so that we might be able to apply the teaching to this particular instance with our reason to see if it is something I must obey. Or if it's not a just law, like the laws for so-called same-sex marriage, or... Um, other things that aren't needed sure, laws at all. abortion. Yes, yeah, abortion, sure. Yeah, we must not only not obey them, we must actively resist them, because the, that violation of divine law with respect to some human law or command is actually destructive of the common good, and it. so therefore we have a duty to resist it and to work to overturn it.
0: And uh, Father Gary, uh, as we're uh, talking about obedience, one of the things that I wanted to talk about too is the role of humility, Uh, being able uh, to—you know, you talked about Lucifer, Mm -hmm. that I will not submit. Humility plays such a strong role in what we are uh, doing when we say we will submit. You know, you mentioned God's law, you know, that we're following God's law ultimately. How can we grow in that virtue of humility so that we do have an attitude of obedience?
2: Well, I think each day we have an opportunity to be humiliated. Uh, I think there's uh, daily opportunities for us to practice that, uh, humil- practice humility by being humiliated by, by people who don't either respect our authority or may perhaps may ask us to do things which are we would think are beneath us. But um, humility is essential to obedience. Um, and I think of the prodigal son and also the elder son in the parable that he said, father, all these years, I never disobeyed your rules once, but you not even gave me as much as a kid goat for my, with my friends. And so we can practice obedience without humility. And that's what the elder son in the parable of the prodigal son teaches us. His heart was, uh, he was obedient, but not in his heart. And so, when he when his son came home, the father was trying to tell him he was dead and he's come back to life. He's lost his son. We have to we have to celebrate. So he was asking his son to be humble, as the father was humble. The father had all his rights trampled upon, all his uh, decrees un, unfollowed, his his authority flouted by the son in many many ways. But yet the father was so humble that and it teaches us about God's humility that God bends low. To become a servant of us uh, so that we might learn how to serve others and in, in, uh, in not in, through pride, but through humility.
0: Well, and I think that kind of takes me back to one of your first comments, you know, looking at, at Scripture, but looking at the examples that we have in there of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, not my will, but Your will be done. Having that attitude of obedience and looking at Mary, her Magnificat, be it done unto me according to Your word. If there's anything that I think we should take away from today's program, it's that we have that we foster that attitude in our lives, Father.
2: Yes, uh, we can't. I guess we we couldn't avoid the subjects, Josh, of humility and service, could we? <laughs> we no. speak to about obedience because on his face. Obedience is noxious, right? It's like I don't want to yeah, do. Yeah, I don't
0: want to do that. Don't don't tell me what to do. I will do what I want.
2: <laughs> but as we know, that obedience doesn't restrict our freedom; it perfects our freedom. Right. Because you know the one to whom you submit has God's authority, and it, it's that's that's the key. Everything comes from our loving Father through human beings who who disguise it very well, as Mother Teresa used to say. But it is the Lord. Um, who's seeking to call us to, to greater depths of love and friendship through that obedient command.
0: Well, and, you know, as we look at living out obedience, uh, you know, is there anything practical that you might suggest that we do? I mean, obviously prayer, but anything else that, that would be practical for someone as we're winding up the show here? This is, this is a great opportunity for you to be able to grow in obedience.
2: I think just uh, this may be uh, paradoxical or counterintuitive, but I think we need to start with small things, um, like arrive at work on time. <laughs> if you work at eight thirty, don't get there at eight thirty two. Sure. Get there yeah. at eight or eight twenty eight, please, or even earlier. Um, maybe clear the sink of dirty dishes. Um, shorten your morning shower. Um, uh, you know, train your will not to get its own way. Yeah, and then, D- don't and when... put
0: yourself first. Yeah, that, that's, yeah. that's great. It goes back to that attitude of servanthood um, that Amen. you just mentioned. Well, Father, as we're down to about our last 30 seconds here, could I ask you to offer all of our listeners a final blessing this hour?
2: Sure. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may He make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, may He look upon you with kindness and give you peace. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. Father Brian Geary, thank you so much for being our spiritual director here on The Inner Life today. And if you missed any part of the program today, of course, you can always go back and listen to the podcast, the full hour available or any hour of The Inner Life available at RelevantRadio.com or through the Relevant Radio app. Big thank you to Nick Centovich and Jim Shaper, our producers here on The Inner Life, for their help today. Of course, today we talked about obedience, and tomorrow we're going to talk about discipleship. If you have a topic that you'd like discussed on The Inner Life, make sure to email me, relevantradio.com.